Hey, friends. Hey, friends. Mutual victory. <laughs> wow, way to bring it, babe. Just to clarify. That was with gusto. Yeah. That was with gusto it this was. morning. So we're back after a little hiatus. Was it? Well, we had some high hopes we were going to be able to record in Costa Rica. Yeah. And I schlepped all the stuff. To Central America. Yeah. Well, we were busy. <sighs> we were busy. Yeah. Yeah. All the crap. Yeah. Well, I'm just happy it still works. It's not like broken. <laughs> Break it. You like, didn't like put it in a checked on. bag. <laughs> no, but I mean like didn't get bumped around in, in the cabin. Speaking of speaking of a flight though, I had a moment mm. where I experienced something. Was it Delta Rage? No, this was the opposite. This oh. was like American Airlines comfort. Okay. Well, we're not blaming or giving the airline any credit. This has okay. nothing to do. So you were already there. I flew down. Yep. So on the way down, I'm in a, a aisle of three. And I'm, I'm by the aisle. Okay. Right? And there's two people to my right. One of which, it's a, I'm assuming it's a married couple. Just going to assume. Actually, no, I am not assuming because the dude had a wedding ring on. So they're married, right? Okay. So the guy sits next to me. The woman sticks next to the window. This guy is probably a little bit taller. No, he's about as tall as me. Bigger mm-hmm. dude, though. Mm-hmm. Bigger, cozy dude. Big, cozy dude. For lack of a better phrase, he would be called a bear Okay. in the gay community. My favorite <laughs> type of dude. So he sits next to me. Uh-huh. And it's that kind of situation where it's like how do you share an armrest how do two dudes share an armrest right two dudes so there's this kind of unspoken demilitarized zone that is the armrest uh-huh. so like i have my right elbow on it uh-huh. and my right forearm and like hand is like obviously bent and like in my lap right mm-hmm. he has his left elbow in front of mine okay right yeah. so it's like we're sharing it it's working mm-hmm I am dozing off during the flight because it's like some stupid ungodly hour. I don't think airports are open after 10 a.m. And they don't like reopen until 10 p.m. Is this true? Because (laughs) I can't even think of flights. Like, do they operate? I don't think I've been in an airport between those times. What's the the deal with that? What's the deal with that? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Sharing this armrest, I am dozing off. And I wake up and we are in contact. My left arm and his, my right arm, his left arm are touching. Now, like, we're not like smushed into each other, uh-huh. but there is contact. And there's also, there's so little, I don't know if he even acknowledged it because he was sleeping too, but we just kind of ignore it. And then, like, when we both realize what's happening, like, I don't like quickly move. Yeah. Oh, let me move my arm out of the way. I just kind of leave it there because I had the realization and the thought that like, while I am not snuggling up to this man, mm-hmm. I am not too many steps away from snuggling up to this man. Uh-huh. And the realization I came to was that I am not gay. Is this your realization? Uh, It's one step in the realization. <laughs> I am not gay. I don't find men sexually attractive. Okay. However... However, I get it. Yeah. It was a cozy little moment. They're cozy, man. Where y'all are cozy. 
I get it now. Yeah. Like I totally get it. Like, and this isn't like a realization where like, oh, gay people are people. I guess you know, it wasn't something. <laughs> I don't think anybody is mistaking okay, that realization, you. honey. I just feel like, like anybody had, is listening at this point. I don't feel like I had. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. But I also was like, huh. All right, this is cozy. I guess it's more of an insight into now. I'm more willing to accept when women or I hear any woman say something about the female gaze mm. and they mention we don't necessarily want the superhero buff right. physique. Yeah. We are much more comfortable and like cozy. The little belly. Mm-hmm. Maybe big belly. Mm-hmm. Cozy physique. Cozy physique. Now that's the realization is like that's I the realization. I, I get that. I believe that now. Yep. Yeah. That it's a uh, it's a feeling and like a physical sensation of comfort yeah. that supersedes any kind of like visual, you know, physiological ideal that like magazines and ads mm. and things would have right. people. Like that's not, you know, I think the important thing about the female gaze is that it's so much more about a sensation or a, a feeling in the body um, that that brings us to an emotion than it is like oh that guy's smoking hot right like that's not it's where the about, smoking hotness comes from it's, it's not a visual cue right. it's a embodied cue yeah yeah i get it i believe you yeah i believe <laughs> any time when anything like the female gaze is brought up and this is the example totally get it i'm a believer yeah yeah, yeah. so that was i love that yeah for you it was nice to have the experience that like sweet not, cozy man on not, the airplane not for nothing if i had known this man and we had just been like dude can we just snuggle because it's 6 a.m and it's tired and like um, i would have gotten a pretty good sleep yeah to charlotte mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yep now you know now i know about my everyday <laughs> snuggling requests <laughs> i get it okay fair enough what are we actually here oh, to talk about? Is today? that all you got? Is that is that it? Oh, I that's mean, a... you're the one that's usually at the front desk, and you got the hot takes, and I, I just get super take. focused on this is the, the lesson plan. <laughs> I think if we call it a lesson plan, that's going to keep you focused. I don't have any bell ringers for us. Bell ringers. <laughs> oh, any other educational lingo? Any educational lingo we can throw out? When there? I was in my education training. Uh, they called it a set induction. Oh, dear Lord. was like the thing you do to get everyone's brain prepped for the lesson. Mm. Which I'm like, why does it call that? This makes no sense. What is a set induction? Just call it the intro. It's fine. This is why I hate some of the shit. Pedagogy, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Pedagogy blowhards. It's just called the beginning. It has a name. It's just the it's class just the, starter. The in, the idea that if you call it something different, it's something new. Yeah, or like it makes it more important. Yep. You know, and has validation because we have created this scenario in our education system where educators are consistently being devalued, mm. and so then there's this right. like invention of. See how I see how I have value. See how this is a right big fancy name, very for, fancy named thing for getting children to pay attention for thirty five seconds in the beginning of class. Oh, that's so stupid. It's called the shut up ritual. It's called the shut up. 
That's what it's called. It's called the shut up. Oh my god. <clears throat> um. Yeah. You want to jump right into this? I mean, I jump right in. Go for it. You know, it's a it's a big topic. Yeah, and I was thinking about it. We sort of touched on it. I want to say almost a year ago when we talked about sports magic. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not going to look at it through that lens, really. No, we're going to look at it through more of like a, um, you know, cultural need lens. Oh, I like that because I had some thoughts about that exactly. Okay. Hey, let's not bury the lead. What's, oh. What's the topic? Ritual. Ritual. We're here to talk about ritual today. Yeah. The importance of ritual. The importance of ritual. And I think that, you know, when we even just say the word ritual, it automatically has this very religious connotation to it mm-hmm. for people who um, have had that path as a part of their lives. And um, and I think it's important to mention that, like, we have daily rituals that are just often very habitual and unconscious until we make them conscious. Uh, there are cultural rituals that we have like how we mentioned a year ago sports magic yep um lots of cultural rituals in that that we kind of you know put in the not very weighted category and yet they're really ingrained in the fabric of how our culture unfolds yeah and like trying to read about ritual before we started recording like i tried to read up on thoughts and ideas about it last week the the most prominent examples I would find are daily rituals, like getting up in the morning and maybe having your coffee before something, or your ritual is I have a big glass of water before I do anything else to make sure I'm starting right. to be hydrated. I was trying to find even a bigger example of ritual, maybe a more formal, organized, and not just the individual, right? I was trying to find more like group ritual stuff. Yeah, and we tend to um, put group or group ritual things in the category of like graduations, um, you know, moving from one stage of life to the next stage of life, wedding rituals. You know, uh, for me, that that I guess this brings up the definition, the difference between ritual and ceremony, mm-hmm. which I love ritual kind of hate ceremony <laughs> it's not not a great what do you take. think the difference is i guess i would say a ceremony might be a collection of rituals you know what i mean it's okay. like if i had to do some sort of umbrella uh graphic organizer right about it like you can fit several rituals into a ceremony mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. if you think like it's a wedding yep there's the exchangeal exchangeal <laughs> Exchangeal. <laughs> the exchanging of vows, um, speeches. I'm sure there's other stuff in weddings. <laughs> <laughs> but I think each of one of those on its own could be considered a ritual. Mm-hmm. And you smush a bunch of them together and it makes a ceremony. So interestingly, um, ritual if we're if we're to get down to like what is what is the what does it actually mean it's very symbolic yeah ritual is full of symbolism mm. yes that i did find and, and joseph campbell has a great quote about that oh yeah what's the joseph campbell quote well it's like when you are partaking in ritual you are reenacting myth yeah 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 which i love 
Of course. <laughs> but you don't love ceremony. Are you telling me that you wouldn't love it if I managed to figure out how to put a, st- a sword in a stone in the backyard and you pulled it out and we called in, you know, the wisdom of Merlin and I knighted you? Uh, yes, I would like that. <laughs> no, that would be cool. But I think for me, what the downfall of the ceremony is that sometimes it just seem very empty mm-hmm. and formulaic mm-hmm. and habitual and without meaning. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where you can find lots of weddings that are kind of like that, where like, this looks like every wedding I've ever seen and mm-hmm. there's nothing special about it. I don't know who these two people are anymore after it, having watched this supposedly very important, meaningful ceremony loaded with ritual. Yeah, I think we have some kind of misgiving around like, this is the ceremony. This is the way that it's supposed to be. This is the way that it's always been. And there's been some kind of authority that has decided that this is the way that needs to be. And so it takes some of the creativity out of it um, because there's this belief or story that you could do it wrong. Mm. You know, and then yeah. if you do if you do it wrong, it's not going to be as uh, potent or effective or legit. Legit. <laughs> Can't do the ceremony wrong. Won't be as legit. Won't be as legit. That's a good quote, honey. <laughs> I try. You know, yeah. I think that like the symbolism and action and intention, um, when those things come together through a creative design of ritual it is very meaningful and it isn't like you know yeah i'm all down for like the weirdest (laughs) most unique shit like i'm seeing or have seen pictures of people's wedding where they are in like costume or Mm -hmm. you know anything like that because it's really important and meaningful to them yeah and it's way better than any other stupid crap that you just pulled out of nothing like you pulled out of tradition like there's nothing anything wrong with tradition. I mean, I guess there's a difference between like tradition and you know uh like not stereotype, but well there's tradition for tradition's sake hmm. and there's tradition because the symbolism and the action and the intention behind that tradition is meaningful. You know, I think like those are the like those are the two different things. It's like am I doing this We'll 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 take a very common example because sometimes talking about it like in a theoretical way is just too obscure. But mm. like a white wedding dress, for example, right? A white wedding dress, yeah. Is it tradition? Yes. Does it mean something to you? If it does, then wear a white wedding dress. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then wear whatever kind of wedding dress you want to wear. And like that's for me the difference between ceremony as we tend to see it in our day-to-day lives now, um, compared to our rituals. It's like when you are creatively figuring out and designing a ritual, the things that you keep in it or you choose to put in it are because they have a deeper meaning. They have a symbolism, you know, like, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to, or, uh, you know, I can't resonate. I can't resonate with the purity 
of the white wedding dress, oh. right? Well, so isn't sorry, go ahead. So if that was the meaning behind it, I would be like, F this S, you know, I'm not doing that. Do I have a connection to the belief that white wearing all white has a uh, has the symbolism of reverence. It has the symbolism of the crown chakra. It has a symbolism of being connected to the mm. divine on this really important day and amplifying your energetic and auric field by wearing the color white. Hell yeah, I can get mm. behind that. Yeah. Doesn't that, didn't that start with Queen Victoria? Did. Yep. Why? She wanted to wear white and everyone was like, this is the most beautiful thing. Oh, she just felt like it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, Good for you know, her. Good for her. Good for <laughs> the Queen Victoria. She marries Prince Albert. Who I completely love you do. due to this ridiculous TV show. You do like Albert. He reminds me of you, that's why. Like the way that he's pro- that he's portrayed. Is it because he's a cranky fuddy duddy? He is not cranky or a fud- yeah. fuddy duddy. He is definitely an Enneagram one. Well, you know. We, we have all the ideas. He has such a... You get us in the right mood and we got all the ideas and the passion. He just has such a profound sense of a clear moral compass, which is the part about ritual that like, I think that we f- have forgotten. Yeah, I was. I had this moment too, thinking about the lack of ritual today and in the larger community and even the smaller community. Like we just, we don't have it. And I'll, you go first and I'll tell you what I was watching that made me think of this. Oh yeah. Ritual, um, from a psychological and developmental perspective feels safe. It's a, I know just brace yourself for this word. You've had to hear it a lot in the last few weeks. You say container. (laughs) It does. It creates a safe container and there is a, Uh, A marking of time, a marking of uh, honoring and reverence and celebration and joy and gratitude in a way that does create a sense of safety. And, um, And it is really important to people, particularly during times of uncertainty Mm. or times of uh, change or trauma, like when something feels very out of control, which most of our existence is, you know, we cannot control the weather, we cannot control the, you know, pests that can impact the harvest. What we can do is come together in a ritual to bless that harvest Hmm. and bless that abundance. And it has a sense of predictability, safety, and security that... We are lacking, like yeah. uh, we're lacking it. Reading about it and all the examples came down to a couple things, but one was definitely the intention of trying to have order out of chaos or control an outcome or control a situation or perceived control. Like why are, you know, for a silly example, why do I hit my cleats with my bat twice before I get in the batter's box? Well, this is the ritual and this, this has given me beneficial outcomes in the past. So I'm right. going to can keep keep doing that. Um, right. But I mean, in, in a more survival example, blessing the harvest, blessing mm-hmm. the resources, mm-hmm. having enough, yep. you know, <laughs> having wanting abundance. Um, 
Yeah, I was watching. I watched The Northman okay. while you were while, while you were in Costa Rica, in Costa Rica before I, I left. And it's a good movie. It's by Robert Eggers. I think he directed and wrote it. And he also did The Witch with that uh, Anna Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. That takes place in like colonial America. Like that one, we tried to watch it, and it was not what we thought it would be. And it was weird and creepy, and it had it was a slow burn. And we didn't finish it because we were like not expecting it. Right. He also did this other weird movie with, I think, called The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and William Duvall. Okay. Also a weird movie. Like this guy does historical horror weird. And if you're into that, and if you're just in for something different, I want to see the, I want to watch The Lighthouse after watching The Northman just because I'm like, give me something weird. I'm down for it. Um, The Northman was so good. Um. Because it, like, you know, it was an action based on this, like, it was a, it almost started, it felt like Conan the Barbarian, because the main character is a boy, and Ethan Hawke is his king, is the dad, and Nicole mm-hmm. Kimmon is the mom, in this Viking village in, like, 900-something, and uh, the dad is, Ethan Hawke is killed by his brother, by the guy's uncle, and then the boy escapes and survives and ends up hooking up with another like a you know a tribe of vikings who take him and raise him essentially and then you see him later on 20 years later as a man and he's going on a viking raid and then but he always has in his mind to go back home and avenge the death of his father by killing his his uncle and i hate the phrase subvert expectations because it makes me think of the last jedi which uh-huh. part of part of what I didn't like about that movie was the the need to try to subvert expectation. When like I think you can subvert expectation with plot, but not character. Right. Like, I think if you, if you take if you like take the characters we love mm-hmm. and you put them in a different story than we were expecting, uh-huh. I think that's awesome and you should do that. If you take a character we love and then we see them and it's like you just you took away or changed everything we love about them and they're unrecognizable. Yep. That's a little stupid. What what the story did in the Northman, like it, it was a you think a typical revenge plot, uh-huh. and there's I won't say a twist, but the character, the main character, comes to realizations and learns things, and we as the audience were like, "Huh, this changes our view on what this character was trying to do," mm-hmm. and it was it was good. It makes you think about it, and it wasn't just like, "Well, that felt cheesy and stupid," and you're just trying to turn it <clears> upside <throat> down. It was a good twist. Where this comes into ritual, there were two rituals. The one was, I think, in the beginning of the movie, Ethan Hawke is still alive and he has returned. And it's like the king and his men have returned. We're having like a party, basically. Like there's bonfires or bonfires, maybe. And there's dancing and there's drink and there's like, you know, and it that moment to me was like, we have have we lost our ability to come together in community to survive the winter <laughs> you know what i mean like what do we do in the winter today that looks kind of the same right as <clears throat> things we do as, as a community to ride out the cold months like we there's some big things there's like holidays yeah but i mean like after january we just are all hoping for spring and we don't really do a whole lot i mean maybe we do right. but i thought that i'm like what do we do i mean the closest we come to that is trivia uh-huh. Like we get together on a weekly basis in a warm pub with a bunch of friends, do this fun activity, 
Yeah. And it's a weans to pass the time. I mean, we still do it when it's summertime. But I mean, it's definitely something I look forward to and we do. And I don't know how much of that is definitely in the larger community. Well, we have had various winter rituals that have, you know, come in to our lives through the years. And then they, you know, they shift or change or we don't follow through with them <laughs> anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like for a long time, we had uh, the ritual in the winter of like tea time. Remember when we were doing tea time? I do. Yeah. Tea became like... <laughs> With all the rage in our house. Well, I tried to do that. Maybe with, like five years ago. Right. I mean, lately, I've done that with cocktail hour. Uh-huh. Yep. Where a very significant, that was like a ritual. It was. It was. Put on music. We are having maybe a cocktail or a tea or something, but it's the intentional shift in energy from work working day to not working. To not working. Yeah. Yes. That's a ritual. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Nailed it. You are actually really good at ritual, It's that, which is why it's funny that you have such resistance to ceremony. And I still maintain that it was a little bit of religious trauma. Um, well, most deaf. Most deaf. <laughs> most deaf. I think that, you know, there's varying degrees of ritual and different types of ritual. And I know that, like, back when I was nerding out about philosophy... I was reading a lot about like the different types of ritual because there are the ones that are like, this is um, a daily thing or this is a weekly thing or this is a um, seasonal thing. And then there's also like the big rites of passage type of ritual that go on in our culture. Mm. And some of them still continue and some of them probably do fall into the category of like, we're just doing this because we're supposed to, or this is what our grandparents would want us to be doing Right. right now. You know, and um, and then there's informal ritual and ceremony that just kind of unfold as we are um, human beings. And then there's more formal ones. I mean, I think about the ritual in Ithaca that happens every year mm. when the students leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they have an Ithaca festival. Like yeah. that is that is a ritual. That is a festival of human beings coming together to celebrate like the reclaiming of the town just to just to the locals and the townies right so um yeah and there's some beautiful things about that like they're they're what's present in that festival are some things that are present in other festivals throughout the year like you see there's like vendors and food Mm -hmm. and you see that stuff with like apple fest or chili fest but what you don't see in those other festivals that you see at the ithaca festival is the parade yeah. Which I normally hate. I really don't know why. It's so weird. It is weird. I don't know why I hate parades. Were you forced to march in one at one time yeah. or something? Yes. And you hated it? Probably. So it probably has something to do with that. Yeah. But this one is so, again, it's so Oh my God, unique. I love parades. It's so, but this one is also so unique and weird and cool that it has a very distinct feel and intention. And it's not that if you had other like the local high school's marching band, you know, if that if that was present, which are which is present in a lot of parades, mm-hmm. it would still be cool. But it also has this other like, what is the Subaru Ballet or something? In the, the parade? Volvo, Volvo Ballet, ballet yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very unique to the place that it is held, and specifically celebrates Ithaca culture (laughs) (laughs) whatever that is um and i think that 
it's what it's it does contain the things that you enjoy and again it's not ceremony for ceremony's sake or ritual for ritual's sake it's like this is a thing that we want to amplify this is something mm. that we want to put energy and action into and we've talked about in the podcast before and i talk about it constantly when teaching yoga where the gaze goes the energy flows you know where we focus our gaze individually has an impact on the where the energy goes in our lives and then it we amplify that like <clears throat> you don't have to know a whole lot about the quantum realm or quantum physics or the field or any of that to think about how when a group of people get together mm. and they send their energy and attention and action towards a particular intention that that's where even more energy goes it's what we were talking about with sports magic last year it's right. like yeah. we're all cheering at yep. the same time for an outcome of a mm, grand slam <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't want to cheer for a grand slam? Let's make that happen as a crowd, right? Like, sure, yeah. you know. And it is interesting to not to reflect too much on sports magic because we've talked about this, but being a player, coach, and fan of teams, there definitely is something when everything clicks and then the team does well, not just wins, but like there's something different about how the team works together, how the fans interact. How the coach, there's, you know, I've experienced that a couple times and it is noticeable and, and, and it doesn't happen really on its own. Like it doesn't like the players alone don't do it. I think the fans alone don't do it. Right. I think it's a lack of a better term, a communal effort and it yeah. is, it's totally palpable. Yeah. It's a collective energy for sure. And that's what ritual gives us an opportunity to do, hmm. you know, like we're, we're making magic and whether people want to think about magic as being like this real experienced thing in the world or, uh, you know, an abundance of imagination, whatever. Um, I have, I've watched and there is actually a lot of research out there around the power of a group of individuals coming together for one purpose. And that's what used to happen um, in the winter time, mm. uh, when when we would gather for celebration and ritual around uh, the the impending spring and making sure that you know the harvest that the ground will be ready for planting and that there will be an abundant harvest. And many of the rituals that we at one time had were based on um, you know thriving, being able to thrive and survive. Uh, lots of unpredictable things in the world. And then there were also rituals just simply because they created an opportunity to be in awe of what was mm. going on, you know, yeah. like um, rituals around the moon. Um, I mean, you have a moon ritual, whether you want to call it that or not. I do? Oh, yeah, you do. What is it? I would say it's a bi-monthly moment. Is this every two months or twice a month? Oh, twice a month. Okay. They say it right? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Moment of... Um, being in awe of the moon and all of her glory okay. and ways, and you pause in reverence of this of this great mystery that you'll never quite understand or be able to wrap your head around. What? And you have your own little moon ritual. What is it? It's it's just that. It's like and when you have to clarify. It's when 
for whatever causes and conditions have happened, and it is usual, it's typically twice a month, maybe only once a month, certain times of the year when you're distracted by other things or not outside as much. Yeah. Um, where you're just in total awe of the moon. And so you you make a lot of declarations around how impressive the moon is, how, you know, in your mere mortal status, you will never understand uh, where it's going to go, what it's going <laughs> to do next, how impressive it is, how it manages to be in so many different places, not just over the course of a month, but even the course of an evening sometimes. You know, it starts off over there and it's over here. Well, it's like yesterday was over there. Then yeah. tomorrow morning, I see it over here. Makes... We're in Costa Rica. It looks like a smile. Yeah. Doesn't look like true. that here. Yeah. So you have your own little mini moon rituals. And I think that like that is a glimpse of, you know, what else do we have going on? <laughs> we don't have, you know... Thousands of years ago, we don't have Instagram. We're not distracted by television. We really don't have a whole lot to do in the evening time because you can't see for shit. Right. Yeah. We're going to go we're outside and we're going to have a moon ritual. We're going to drink some mead, perhaps. We're going to sing a song, play some music, have a fire, and uh, and honor this crazy moving object in the sky that's all illuminated. Two things. One is that I had every intention of making mead while you were gone. Oh, shit. Yeah. I did not get to it. You didn't get to it. I didn't get to a third of what I wanted to. I was so <laughs> disappointed. Um, guess, uh, guess I need to go to, back to Costa Rica. Yeah. I mean, go for it. I'm not going to say no. You know, I think that like we we also have to remember that a lot of ritual that used to be a part of our world anthropologically were things like appeasing ancestors, Mm. you know, things like, um, you know, we're going to engage in this behavior because we want to make sure that these things are honored and that there is some semblance of, uh, steadiness within infinite and only and always changing mm. aspects of the world. Yeah. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Oh, you did? What were the other things we did? Like you mentioned tea time as a ritual that we used to do. Mm-hmm. You Did you have any other examples of things we used to do? Um, well, I think that in the winter, in the winter months, we would definitely do things like uh, kind of snow day movies that were specific. Yeah, definitely. You know, so... That is a ritual that would be signaled by an event, mm. meaning a snow day would be called, and we wouldn't go to work, mm, and the kids right. wouldn't go to school, and we were, there would be ritual around that. Ritual that included, you know, <clears throat> things like playing outside or going snowshoeing to specific movies that we only watched on snow days, mm-hmm. hot cocoa, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the aspect of ritual and ceremony that includes uh, some sort of beginning middle and end right like there's some structure to it there's also typically food that's involved in ritual which we love that part do and they're often initiated (gasps) through nature or weather yeah i mean of course yeah i think that that probably was originally the the what incited most (laughs) rituals and ceremonies were our observation of the world around us and then you know, wanting to both be a part of that and have it 
again, it's it's a, Control. a snow day is an unpredictable thing. It's an unpredictable thing, and we can create some structure around that. Well, what would you do to try to get a snow day if there was a chance of one? Well, there was that also. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta wear your pajamas inside out. Yeah, didn't you uh, put like a spoon in the freezer? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I almost said, did you put your pajamas in the freezer? No. I'm mixing them up. Nope. Do the snow bunny dance? You made that up right now. I did not. It's It's no such thing. It's definitely a thing. Oh. Well, geez. So, besides my bi-monthly in awe of the moon ritual, would you say that we have, what are our rituals now? Because our lives are very different than the snow day ritual. Mm-hmm. Although like, if it, if it did have a storm, we would probably do some of the same things. We'd probably yes. queue up The Empire Strikes Back or everyone watch Where Eagles Dare because mm-hmm. it's a snowy mm-hmm. time movie. We even had our snow day outfits for a while. Remember those? <laughs> oh yeah, the otter shirts with our black leggings. With black uh, <laughs> like wool legging things i had my like under armor base layer base layers (laughs) i still have them they're downstairs snow day uniforms yep wow that's funny yeah i think it i think there's something in us that longs so much for ritual to happen and um and yet we tend to take ourselves a little bit too seriously around that because what we've been exposed to is like there's a specific prescription for certain ceremony and rituals they happen on special occasions um, and we've we've lost the like creative whimsy that can mm. come from uh, yeah. being a collaborator with what is constantly changing and what is inconsistent. We then get to come in as a co-collaborator and and bring some structure and ritual around that, and that's that's the part that feels comforting. And like we sometimes do it culturally around grief or tragedy. Yeah, And we're even sucking at that lately. It still continues to blow my mind that there has not been any kind of like countrywide like vigil service memorial for everybody that we have lost Mm. from COVID. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I just think back to 9-11 and the incredible amount of ritual and ceremony. Everything from like people who never hung an American flag in their lives Mm were engaging in that like patriotic demonstration um yeah you know changing i remember things like changing the light bulb color on the front of your house to like honor the firefighters that were there oh. you know everything from that to ha- people gathering in different cities and places to have candlelight vigils for the people who were yeah. lost in the towers and for the people who showed up in service to rescue efforts and cleanup efforts and all of that. Like that has not happened for COVID. It's really, really mind blowing to me. We are how far away from collective ritual we're getting. Yeah. Which I mean, God, you would think it would be an easier sell because like the quote unquote enemy is like an illness or a virus that would attack anyone indiscriminately. You would you know think. I mean? You would think. But we've already decided that, you know, half of the people, maybe, arguably, I don't know what the numbers are, have decided that that, that it doesn't even exist, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, the incredible amount of fear, the incredible amount of mistrust, like, and 
ironically, when we are at that heightened state of like fear, mistrust, uh, lack of control, um, things moving at such a pace that is, you know, unsettling, that's all vata, you know, we'll mm. throw it back to Ayurveda. That's all air and space energy. And what air and space energy actually needs is something that grounding. is grounding and earth related. And that's ritual. I mean, ritual is Man. just so grounding. Man, when you have a glimpse of Ayurveda, it is everywhere. It is everywhere. <laughs> it really is. Like, everywhere. I even, even now, I'm like, oh, this person's got too much fire. Mm-hmm. You need a little grounding. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. That's very impressive. It's so cutesy. Thank you. So where do we land on ritual? What else we got for ritual? Like trying to go through like the year mm-hmm. and think of either rituals we have, whether we've named them or not, or things that we could do. Well, I think that our date night counts as a oh, ritual. Yeah. You know, I agree. When we started with Dirty Nerdy Thursday. Um, like it was a, we were setting an intention through an, a specific action, uh, that this time was sacred, that nothing was going to interrupt that because it was the time that we had. And, and there were then of course, like within that structure and ritual and space holding, um, there were many options of what that could look yeah. like. Are we going to go out to dinner? Are we going to play games? Are we mm. going to, you know, watch a movie together? Like, are we going to go somewhere? Are we going to go to a museum? Um, and there was a lot of ritual within that. There continues mm. to be ritual within that. Um, I think that we're, you know, not as uh, rigid about that ritual as we used to be because we're always alone now. <laughs> yeah. We sure are. It's just you and me, babe, yep. all the time. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that we do have uh, we have spring rituals. You know? We do. For some reason, I go to, I go back to, I don't know if it's still officially a thing, but tabletop day. Yeah. Like that was for a few years. Mm-hmm. It was like Star a Wars day. national like board game day it was always like a saturday in the spring it started off being you know end of april beginning of may sometimes it's june but there was one day in the spring or summer where like board game stores would have promotions and it was just dedicated to the hobby and i always associate it with spring which is weird because it's a hobby that you could primarily do indoors to ride out the winter you know what I mean? Like this is a perfect winter type activity, but I always associate it with spring. I don't know. First weekend, you can open the windows, have a ton of games out, spend a whole day gaming, mm-hmm. which I think we've, we've decided to kind of like yep. bring back in our own way, unofficially or officially, whatever day. But I definitely think we've kicked around an idea of something like that for like springtime. Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. I'm super down for every surface in the house. We'll have a game on it. Oh my goodness. I know. You saw the TikToks of when you were gone. I did. I yeah. Did. That's exactly that's what I want. It's my dream. <laughs> Except I want a table I want a sick gaming table. Yeah. Like one that's got like a little edge so yep. that stuff doesn't fall on the floor. Someday. We're gonna have uh, to someday. 
I think that we also have, I mean, we ha- we're we pretty connected to the seasons because we do garden and we grow food in the backyard. And so we have some ritual around that. We have ritual around preparing the garden and cleaning things out and that stuff happens in the summertime. Um, the garden was going to be my next yep. kind of thing. I think Star Wars Day. I mean, if we're going to yeah. mention Tabletop Day, we also have Star Wars Day. That is Star Wars Day is a high holiday. A it high is. holiday. Like, you do not. Like, you don't go to work on that day. <laughs> it's a high holiday. Um, and I don't know why it's not a bank holiday, honestly. Should be. Should be a bank holiday. Um, We have summertime rituals of, you know, like cooking outside and pretty regular fires yeah the fires are prominent in the summertime which i would really like to have more fires in the wintertime i actually love winter fires yeah it's the only hard part is if it ever gets at all wet back there it's just a swamp Mm -hmm. which like it kind of is right now too much mud yeah we need to plant some things that need water but essentially, like, ritual is an important aspect of feeling safe and secure and secure, and creating some um, predictability, normalcy, and, like, control, for lack of a better word, in a very unpredictable, uncontrolled world. Mm. And, um, and I would say, with that in mind, when there is collective trauma, collective grief, like stressful things that are happening ritual is something that can be so useful and so grounding and reconnecting in those moments and beyond like an individual person's funeral we Mm. don't do that anymore you know we don't have um the the space and and the pause and the reverence that we used to i mean I, i just not trying to hammer home the whole covid thing and i am at a loss for another example in u.s history where there was a huge loss of human life and we didn't do anything about like around it that was we didn't honor it in some way and pause for it and just have like it's it really really shocks me yeah it is really surprising huh and i think it feels like it adds to the energy and the feeling of you know, not trusting things, not mm. feeling secure, not, um, you know, it can be just such a healing process to move, to move through. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I would have ritual twice a month with the moon, new moon, full moon ritual outside with a fire. I would do the whole thing. Um, incense and, Special clothes. You did get me a beautiful cloak. I know. Which I'm a little bit like, I don't want to wear it out in the mud, but I'm going to have to just release uh, the fact that I think this, if you, it's an outdoor woods cloak. Yeah, I was going to say, if you put it on once you get into like the paths to the woods, mm-hmm. it's less muddy there. It has huge pockets for my sage and yeah. stones. That was and, a big selling point. It needed yeah. pockets and a hood, <laughs> and, a hood. and sleeves. Yes. Like, or like slots for your arms to come out of. Yep. Yeah. Which is, because it's very, very hard to wear a cloak when you're doing ceremony and ritual if it doesn't have a place for your arms because you can't like hold fire. Can you like text me though if you, for some reason, maybe if I'm out <laughs> and I come home or if I'm just around doing things, mm. can you just like text me to let you know to let me know that you will be roaming the woods in your cloak. 
so yeah. I don't walk out there and. I mean, it's not the bad color, so like we're probably the, fine. The Scarlet Woman is roaming the woods. Like, it's purple. Is it purple? Yes. I don't know. I think it's more of a. It's not red. No, it's not. A mar- it's purple. Is it? Yeah. Shut up. It's purple. Ugh. Did you not mean to give me a purple one? I don't know. Now I need to maybe see an optometrist. Oh my. Because I thought it was more of on the scarlet side. No. For no. Me? I definitely would have made a comment about it being the bad color. <laughs> Are you for real? Because I'm kind of freaking out right now. Really? All right. I'm going to go get that out oh and put it on so that we can make sure that we know what so colors I, are. So I can calm me down or you're just going to fire me up again. Oh, boy. Well, I hope that anybody who's listening to this is inspired to think about where they can create more ritual in their life and the and at the very least think about how it has impacted them so far and like what they even think about. Like, what do you guys all think about when you think about ritual? And does it have that connotation of like ceremony for ceremony's sake? It's something we're supposed to be doing. Or can it be a creative process where yeah, you know we we create make something space. about something you're excited about yeah. and celebrate that? Yeah, love it. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>